Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program and for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week, we hope at the same time. I trust you're being blessed by the ministry that is flowing from, uh, from this broadcast. And uh, we, we, we want you to encourage your friends. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, uh, please encourage your friends to watch it. Share it on your Facebook or social media. We appreciate any help uh, to help us get the word out about the message that we're sharing. And uh, we, we, we deeply appreciate that. Uh, we, we are in the middle of a series right now. We've done two segments on a series that I am titling, You Will Recover Your Life. And uh, you have missed two already. And uh, if this is the first time you're tuning in and you would like to go back, and I really encourage you to because each one of these broadcasts set the stage for the next piece of the message. So uh, if you have missed any of them, you can go back to our YouTube page and everything that we have aired to date is archived there and available for your viewing pleasure. And so uh, you can watch that at any time. The easiest way to do that is to simply go to our website and there is a, uh, it's at the bottom corner of the screen there at lynnhiles.com and in the upper right hand corner of our website there is a little icon that looks like a YouTube and if you tap on that it will take you directly to our YouTube page. There is also on that same page right beside of that another icon for our podcast on iTunes. You can go tap that, it will take you directly to the audio portion of this program and, and other programs and you will be able to listen to that stream through your car or your smart device or you can download it all kinds of ways. You can listen to it while you're working out in the gym or whatever. There's also an RSS feed for your Android device right beside of that is the icon for that. So all of that is right there on our website at lynnhiles.com. While you're there, if you are appreciating what we're doing uh, there is a place where you can give and sow into the ministry. You can give via credit card, debit card, or you can, uh, you can even sign up to become a monthly partner there by simply putting a recurring debit on when you go in with your credit card into the area where you give in our uh, website. Uh, we truly need your partnership. Without you, it's impossible to do what we're doing. And uh, if you're being fed by this and you want to see this kind of a message touch other people around the world, don't wait on someone else to do it. Please get behind what we're doing. And uh, I believe the Lord will bless you for it. And thank you for your giving and your partnership. Even if you just do a one-time gift, we deeply appreciate that. And we will not badger you. Uh, with uh, just constant mailings and all of that. We very rarely do. We At this time, we've only done about one a year uh, to just send out a mailing. So we just don't want to just continue to fill your mailbox constantly. But if you'd like to uh, uh, give, we just want you to know that we're not going to get your address and then just wear you out. So uh, thank you for doing that. I want to get back in the Word. This is our third segment on this. And I'm going to go to Luke, the 10th chapter, our original text. It says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, 
and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But look at this. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went on, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, and poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, there's a lot of stuff here again that I began to unpack last week. This lawyer comes to Jesus. Now once again, I want you to remember that this is a lawyer, not like we think in terms of secular lawyers, but this is a guy who is a professional at the law of Moses. He's really not coming because he wants an answer. He's coming to tempt Jesus to see if he can find some legal loophole to accuse him. And, uh, you know, so he's asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, last week I really unpacked probably some revolutionary concepts to some of you, but I'm going to just review lightly uh, in this segment. Eternal life includes going to heaven when you die. I want to settle that right up front. That, I just want to preface what I'm about to say. Eternal life includes going to heaven when you die. But this word eternal life is a Greek word, aeonian, or that which has to do with an age. And it literally could be read like this, what must I do to inherit the life of the coming age? And this, see, inheritance, if you were to inherit something, let's just say this, you go today and you find out you just inherited the farm or whatever. You don't inherit something when you die. You inherit something when someone else dies and leaves you something. Most Christians are led to believe that their inheritance is when they get to heaven rather than what Jesus left for them out of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. It was a life that was lived of the coming age. And last week I shared with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where the Apostle Paul was writing to the first century church at Corinth. This audience relevance is everything, the time slot. And he is saying to them, you are the people upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages, plural, have come. And so what I showed last week was that the ends of the ages, and the American Standard Version, almost every other translation says, that, that, uh, uh, that all of that happened as an example for them in that first century, upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages, plural, had come. So this is not my opinion. 
It's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, this first century church were the people upon whom the ends of the ages had come. Now, I showed you last week that if I was to draw this on a chalkboard, I would draw a circle like this, and I would say, this is the old covenant age. And then I would draw another circle right here that would just overlap the first one just a little bit. And I would say, this is the new covenant age. And I would say, where these two ages, the old covenant age and the new covenant age intersect is called the ends of the ages. It was the back end of the old covenant age and the front end of the new covenant age. It was the ends of the ages. And he's saying to them, they're the people upon whom the ends of the ages had come. So when this lawyer is standing here talking to Jesus, he's not talking about what do I need to do in order to go to heaven. While that's included in the package of eternal life, what I'm showing you is he's looking at since this old covenant age is about to pass off the scene, what does life in the new covenant age look like? Of course, you need to understand again, and I'll reiterate this again, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the Old Covenant, even though they are in the New Testament, because the death of Jesus had not yet given an inheritance. So what I want you to see was that under the Old Covenant, when you ask Jesus, what must I do, He starts giving this guy the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, love your labors yourself, and He only deals with a couple of them. And this lawyer realizes, okay, I'm coming up short. Because those, so then he goes into, I'm going to justify myself mode. And so he said, who is my neighbor? In other words, that's what we do when we preach law, is we go into justify myself mode, or we try to find somebody worse shape than I am, so that it takes the heat off of me. But the whole point is, I believe it is in Galatians 3, that the Scripture said, for if there was a commandment that could have given life, then verily righteousness would have been the law, by the law. So here's a dude who's a lawyer asking Jesus, what do I got to do? But every time somebody would ask Jesus, what must I do? And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they're still under the Old Covenant, he would give them the law, except they would always say, one thing thou lackest, because the whole point was they were coming to the end of an old covenant performance-based religious system age that was governed by rules, and they're about to enter a new day or a new age or a new era of the new covenant where it's not going to be out of rules, it's going to be out of relationship. And if you followed our segments prior to this, we talk about the new covenant age was one that was living life in the context of sonship out of a father-son intimacies and relationship where Matthew 11 said, Jesus said, I'm willing to go over this line by line. This is a unique father-son relationship, but I'm, willing, I'm not going to keep it to myself, he said. I'm willing to go over it line by line with you. And then he comes down and says, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, you will recover your life. So he's talking about recovering your life in this segment. This life lived, what does life in the New Covenant look like? I think it's really something that we're really asking at this point, even among New Covenant grace-based people. What does life in this new covenant really look like? 
Well, it's a life that's governed by the Spirit. It's a life where you inherit something. You inherit a life. It's not about a law you have to keep. It's about receiving a life that will keep you. But we'll deal with some of the behavior issues in just a little bit. But this guy comes down through here, and he starts, uh, you know, he first of all, he's willing to justify himself. So Jesus begins to give this parable. That a certain man went down from Jericho and fell among thieves that stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And then a Levite comes by and sees him and walks by on the other side. See, here, here's the problem. The law and the old covenant and these Levites and priests will point out your problem, but they don't have anything to remedy or heal it. Because the law can point out your flaws and show you what's wrong with you, but it has no supply for the answer to it. In other words, the, the old covenant is demand. The new covenant is supply. On the old covenant, it was a bankrupt system that demanded everything but could produce nothing. And the new covenant is about supply that produces everything. It's where He has given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. See, this is about supply. It's about God giving you the ability to walk in grace, and to walk in righteousness, and to walk in holiness. Make no mistake about it. I'm a grace preacher, but I believe in living a lifestyle that is a right lifestyle, not because of rules, but because of a relationship with a Father who is willing to be yoked together with me, to walk with me, to work with me, and to help me to recover my life. Because see, even the issues of behavior are not because God is really obsessed with rules. It's because God is obsessed with giving you the best life on the planet. And the stuff that He warns and tells you to stay away from is the stuff that is killing you and taking your life. Now let me just say that, again, these Levites cross by on the other side, and the priest crosses by on the other side. But this guy is left uh, because he fell among thieves. Now if you, if you go uh, to John 10, and I'm going to go there, and I know I've used this scripture a lot during many of the programs that I've uh, shared, but I think they're well worth looking at. John 10 verse 1 said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some of the way, the same as a thief and a robber. Now remember, this, this guy is found bleeding and dying beside the Jericho road because thieves have plundered him and left him half dead. So when I got to thinking about thieves, I, immediately I thought John 10 said, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. If you're sitting there, say this with me, some other way. The same is a thief and a robber. And then he goes down, he, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Now let me just skip down here, uh, so I can cut through uh, some of this. It says, verse 8 says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now once again, this guy left bleeding and dying beside the Jericho road is left there because of thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, not just a ticket to heaven. Re don't read what's not in the context here. 
I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what he's offering here is he's talking about the same thing Luke 10 is. Life, the life of the coming age that this lawyer was looking for can only be found by entering through the door, which is Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. Again, it's dealing with a father-son relationship. But here's the thing I want you to see. This guy was left bleeding and dying by the Jericho Road by thieves and robbers. Now I want you to remember what we've read here. He, Jesus says again in verse number 1, Verily I send you that he that entereth not but the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. The thief of John 10 is not the devil. Now I'm just going to say that again. Now, I'm not saying the devil cannot be involved. I'm saying the thief of John 10 is not the devil. The thief of John 10 is very clearly brought out in these verses. The thief of John 10 is some other way. When you think there's some other way into the sheepfold than through the door which is Jesus, it will leave you bleeding and dying beside of a Jericho road. And he goes on in verse 8 to say that all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now the context of this, there's a lot of thieves and robbers in people's lives when you think there's some other way than God's way. Every other way is a thief and a robber and will leave life running out of you. But in context of what's being said here, the some other way into the sheepfold is through works and labor and, and, and old covenant paradigms that did uh, through this whole Levitical system that crossed the road on the other side, I submit to you that has what has drained the life of this new covenant age out of people has been an old covenant paradigm of performance-based religious systems that have left us wounded and bleeding and dying. There are more casualties, I believe, to wrong theology and wrong covenant thinking that have left people with life running out of them rather than putting life into them. Jesus didn't say this is a ticket to heaven. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. For the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you might not again have a ticket to heaven, but that you might have life. Do you see it? The thief of John 10 is when you think there's some other way. Now I'm going to say something else that I think is pretty strong. You know, a lot of times people come to me and they say, listen, man, when I get my act together, I'm going to come to your church. And I tell them, listen, if you get your act together, it's just an act. God's not interested in actors. He wants to give you a life. And I got to thinking about this powerful scripture that we've made so much about performance, where he says, you know, to them, just, I believe it's one chapter, maybe two chapters prior to this 10th chapter of John. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For straight is the gate... And narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. He didn't say straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to heaven. He said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. But wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. And once again, people will say to me, man, I just need to get back on the straight and narrow. 
And what we think that means is I need to get my act together and I need to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I need to do what's right. And I'm not saying you don't need to do what's right, but it's how that is achieved that is, is important here. But what he's saying here is not, listen, the straight and narrow that few were finding in the first century was not performance-based. Matter of fact, they were probably some of the most legalistic people you would ever meet. Listen, your efforts in what you think is keeping the law these days come nothing in comparison to what these people did. I mean, they had their divers washings, their long prayers for pretense. They did all of the sacrificial stuff. They did it all, and it did not produce life. But the way to life was through the work of Jesus Christ. So the straight and narrow is not a bunch of doing. It's a person. Again, John 10, just a few verses below the straight and narrow passage, and there's a few that are finding this way of life. Jesus was entering, or Jesus was, was showing them that the only way into the life of this coming age was through the door which was Him. See, I'm telling you, you get in relationship with Jesus, and you will recover your life. You'll get your life back. Because the whole story of the Samaritan, we're not going to finish it today, but we'll get the rest, we'll get the rest of it. The whole story of the Samaritan is whatever it costs to make you better, he's willing to pay the price. And he's going to put you in a place. I believe there are local churches all over the world that are true ends where he can take people who've been left bleeding and dying by a religious system that will point out all of their problems and then cross the road to keep from having to come into contact with you. But see, I thank God that there are ends arising all over the country where God can take you and say, whatever it costs to make them better, pour in some oil and wine. And I, I, I might be able to develop this a little bit more as we go on, but the oil and wine are in Zion. And in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Zion is the new covenant. He says in Hebrews 12, for you did not come to blackness and darkness. You didn't come to a God who said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dark. You did not come to fear and trembling. In other words, you did not come to Mount Sinai, but you are come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Mount Zion, in contrast there, is Sinai is the old covenant where the law was given, Mount Zion is the new covenant, and if you can find you a church somewhere where it is a new covenant, grace-based kingdom church that will pour in some oil and wine, it will heal the stroke of your wound, and you will begin to recover your life. I cannot tell you how blessed I have been to see the quality of life that this message I'm preaching has given to people that have heard us preach the gospel that this straight and narrow is not a performance-based religious system. It is a person, and His name is Jesus. And you know what I really love is that when you start to recover your life, it becomes the light. The life becomes the light. I can remember some of the stuff that my you, I, when I was growing up, and I, I, I really loved my Pentecostal roots, so I, you know, somebody told me the other day, felt like I was kind of making fun of it. I really don't mean it in, in the sense to make fun of it, but to look back at some of the stuff that we did with dress codes and, and how her certain hairdos. And I can remember my mom saying one time, uh, you know, she came in, she said, boy, I saw a saint of God today. 
at the store because of the glow that was on her face. And I'm thinking, no, Mom, you didn't know her because of the glow on your face. You knew her because she didn't. She, she, because she looked exactly like you. She had the same haircut. She had the same hairdo. She had no makeup on, and that was not a glow. It's a shine from wearing no makeup. I'm not putting anybody down that don't feel like they're supposed to wear it. I'm just after something. Somehow, we thought looking like Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies was the life that was the light to the world. But the world really looks at that and says, you mean your God makes you look like that? See, that's not the life that becomes the light. The life that becomes the light is when the quality of life you live is so attractive to the world that they say, that's what I'm looking for. Not just an escape out of here one day because religion has made me bleed to death and die, but because this has given me the best quality of life on the planet right now, that's the life that becomes the light. That's the kind of thing that attracts people to the gospel is when the life you have is a quality of life that says, I want a life just like that. That's the life he's talking about. Finding a ministry that can pour in oil and wine. And Jesus says to them, or you know, who is the Samaritan in this story really, whatever cost to make him better, I'm willing to pay the price for. I've paid the price. So the gospel is about making you whole. It's about touching not just... Uh, areas of religion in your life, but other areas of addiction and other areas of sin in your life that may be robbing you of this quality of life. Because what his, he does is he's trying to heal what it is that's robbing our marriages, our finances, our health, because he wants to give us the best life on the planet and heal the stroke of our wound. And so he finds us in that condition and takes us. See, the life of the coming age, or eternal life, includes going to heaven. Of course it does. But man, there's so many people that are missing so much of the quality of this life, and somehow we think a God who is concerned enough about us to correct us is some kind of a foreign concept. But I'm telling you, Dad loves you. Abba cares about you. He wants to heal your life. He wants, listen, and so what happens is, is that he brings you to this place where all of a sudden he finds you in a condition where you need help. And he picks you up and he brings you to an end. And he says, whatever costs to make you better, I'm willing to pay the price. We're just about to run out of time. I'll probably do at least one more segment on this series. But if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want someone else to be able to be brought into this kind of a quality of life and you want someone else to hear this message that has given you back your life, let me ask you very humbly to sow something into a ministry that's doing just that for people. Uh, if you want to do that, you can go to my website at lynnhouse.com. There is an address on the bottom of the screen. It's there that you can uh, give via credit card or debit card, or you can even sign up for a recurring payment on your credit card that will uh, help you become a monthly partner. You can also write a check or send a money order to the address that will come on the screen. We do truly need your help, whether it's a one-time gift or if it is a monthly contribution, we will deeply appreciate it. If you'd like to call the number on the screen, someone will take your call and you can give that way. If you don't get an answer, please leave a message. They will return your call. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week.
The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.